So everybody's got my business card, my information's on there. If you use it, cool. If not, they make good bookmarks or you can throw them away on your way out. I won't be offended. Um, before we get started, I do know Cam and Wayne, so if I kind of pick on them a little bit, it's because I know them already. Um, I didn't really know what to put on my first slide, but I think everything here kind of sums up who I am. Um, up top, obviously, it's my government name, my education, all my certifications, um, kind of my Instagram handle. That's kind of just who I am. Like, I have all the education stuff. Um, I'm very proud of all that stuff. At the same time, I'm a pretty goofy individual. I think bodies by vegetable. It's kind of fun. Um, I'm not claiming to be the one creating all the bodies of the athletes I work with. It's it's just fun. Um, I didn't want to be a generic coach at Overton Strength or something that everybody else is doing. Uh, so that's how I ended up at Bodies by Vegetable. Oh, and Vegetable is a nickname uh, the beach volleyball team gave me. So that's how they see me. So that's what will be for them. Uh, Wayne or Cam, would you like to read this first slide? I got you. If everyone understood the depth and complexity of training, everyone in the world would have a strength coach. If everyone understood the depth and complexity of training, many strength coaches would be looking for work. So I think this kind of accurately describes kind of where I'm at with the profession. Like, I absolutely love what I do, and I don't take the opportunity for granted. And I think you can see it from this tweet that kind of on the second, on the bottom part of it, there's coaches out there kind of doing shows doing stuff just to do it and not really taking pride in what they do. So I always want to make sure that I'm the type of coach that's up top um, and will be a coach that everybody wants to work with. So that kind of, it's kind of my background on strength and conditioning. Um, I don't know what you guys know about strength and conditioning, but on the surface it does seem kind of simple, but there's a lot going on. And I take pride in understanding all that, but it's my job to kind of translate that into stuff that the athletes understand. But like if administration, like a sport coach wants to talk to me, I need to hit them with all the really important stuff when I'm working with the athletes, kind of scale it down to what they need. So my athletic experience, I uh, started off at Lehigh University. Uh, ooh, that was 2007, so a long time ago. That's all the way on the left there. Um, I was there for two years. Um, it was a different experience. Uh, high school football, kind of played for fun, and I was like playing with all my boys, and you get to college and you realize your performance on the field that kind of could secure somebody a job like coaching wise so it, it does turn into more of a business so that was lehigh that's their fcs their scholarship now but when i played it was uh just grants 
Um, so it's kind of like low-level FCS, but at the same time, um, my coaches are jobs are on the line all the time. So that was my first taste of legitimate college sports and kind of getting the business aspect of it there. Uh, spent about two years there, uh, made the decision to transfer, finished up at Mount Union. Uh, that's the picture in the middle. I think I was actually 205, so a little disrespect there on the weight. Um, as you can see, kind of matured a little bit uh, from the left to the middle. Um, and then the far picture on the right, I did play one season of semi-pro arena football uh, for the Saginaw Sting. So I went from low-level Division One to Division Three, and then pretty low-level semi-pro. So I kind of had a lot of different athletic experiences, some positives, some negatives, uh, just from all of that. So that kind of plays into who I am as a coach. And so now we'll get into my past coaching experience. Uh, so you can see here, I won't read all the way through them, but I did five different internships where I was working for free. These were literally all over the country. Uh, that first one was in the Bay Area. The second one was in Pittsburgh, obviously Montana, University of Kentucky, and Louisiana. So I literally moved all over the country uh, to pursue this profession. Um, volunteer coaching, spent a lot of time working for free. That's kind of what we have to do, but kind of put things in perspective, like this is absolutely what I want to do, um, and I truly love it. So yes, I completely ran out of money, and my bank account's probably embarrassing for someone 30 years old, but at the end of the day, I get to work with athletes every day, and I absolutely love it. So uh, part-time coaching, that's when I was doing a grad assistantship. Um, I actually left that because I was told that Cincinnati was going to be a full-time job, um, but if you lie to me, it was part-time, no benefits, so I only got two paychecks. I worked for like six months there, so that was a negative experience. And the big takeaway for me from that was um, not everybody's actually looking out for you, so you kinda gotta take care of yourselves, but if I'm ever in a hiring position, I will never do to anybody else what they did to me at Cincinnati. More so, it was just the head uh, strength coach there. Like, I had good relationships with everybody else, but that was a learning experience to say the least. Um, Last year, 2018, I uh, started Buffalo in January, then I was there throughout the football season. Um, I kind of made the decision I wanted to get out of football, um, have an opportunity to be able to coach my own teams. And things happened to practice one day. I was like, you know what, this football only thing is not for me. I think I went on Glassdoor Jobs, UNCW popped up, and I was like, pretty sure that's the beach? Cool. <laughs> um, sent the application. So with that, honestly, I was very fortunate because in strength and conditioning, it's a lot about who you know, not what you know. And I didn't know anybody here before I got here. Um, so the fact that I even got an interview, I was very fortunate and it's been great ever since then. Um, so kind of going off the experiences that I had, I think the big thing that I've learned from that is to always fail forward. Um, so professionally, learn from your mistakes and stack your experiences. So on the mistake side, everybody makes mistakes. You just need to be able to identify them, own them, and not make the same one uh, the next time. So as an intern, like the first time, I didn't really know what I was doing. It was kind of just showing up just to show up. And kind of as I progressed, you learn that um, at different schools, they have a lot more expectations out of their interns. Um, with that, you kind of need to be a self-starter, uh, do things for yourself, and not wait for people to tell you to do things. Um, that kind of leads into stack your experiences. So my first internship, that was a private sector, and then I went into the collegiate setting. So there's a big difference there. But as I bounced around through college, I needed to make sure that what I learned at my first stop, I was able to improve upon that and be better at my next stop. Because even now, I'm still a work in progress. But I need to make sure as I go, I'm making different mistakes, learning from them, um, and continuing on. So in terms of working with my athletes, I want to make sure I create um, a learning environment where failure is not feared. I mean, that's just 
naturally part of the process. And just from talking to the athletes, like when they're out playing sport, like at practice and stuff, I can't tell you how many times that they tell me coaches are just yelling at them. Like they're not fixing anything, they're just yelling just to yell. Like they expect them to be perfect all the time. That's not realistic, that's not life. Um, I went through the same thing as an athlete. That's not the coaching style I prefer, um, but that's kind of still where we're at. But failure doesn't need to be uh, feared. So a lot of what I do, I try to put them in position to be successful. So if they do fail, it might be like a minor mistake or they understand why they failed. Like if something happens on a squad, like, hey, how'd you feel about that? It's important for me that they can self-identify their failure or what they did wrong and kind of correct it going forward. So I just want them to be able to learn through whatever mistakes they make and not be scared to fail. Because when I first started, um, even just like simple coaching things, like I take the blame the first time all the time. Like, oh, that's on me, that's bad coaching. Um, but like I'll go to correct and like they just apologize. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like stop apologizing. You didn't do anything wrong. I didn't coach it well enough the first time. Just build on this going forward. So for me, it was almost like, like what did they do to hurt you guys? Like you don't need to be afraid to make minor mistakes. Um, kind of my coaching philosophy. I just kind of took this from my interview packet when I came down here. Um, the standard is the standard. For me, that means in all aspects of everything that you do, establish a standard. Uh, maintain that standard and hold people to that standard. Um, so the easiest way to do that is kind of through communication. Um, so just in the weight room, uh, make sure I take the time to let everybody know what our movement standards are in terms of like squat depth, um, just form and all the things like that. So I'm not, if you don't meet the standards, it's not a good rep. Like I'm not picking on you, I just be established at the jump what acceptable is um, and be able to hold people to that consistently. Um, same thing with the waiver policies and procedures. You need to make sure up front that everybody understands the expectations for when they're uh, in the weight room, um, whether that be like apparel, like wiping off benches, just different things like that. If you don't explain it to people up front, you can't expect them uh, to take care of it. And if you do try to hold them accountable, but they don't know why they're being yelled at, then it's not going to be productive. So take the time, cover everything up front, um, and go from there. And another big thing with communication, uh, you need to understand that different people need different things. So like right now, I'm very sarcastic. I could do that with Cam and Wayne because I know them. But everybody else, I could say something to somebody and I don't know you personally and you guys don't know me. So that, that might be the last straw. You could freak out, something bad could happen, but you need to understand the people that you work with if you're gonna be an effective coach. Like that's not strength conditioning, that's just coaching period. Um, so I think my past experience is like working in the football only setting. Even then it's different. Like everybody sees the stuff on Instagram, social media, like coaches are just yelling and screaming at them all the time. And then like I'll talk to the athletes or like I'll just watch their faces. And I'll be like, yeah, Coach Reggie, I'm glad you're not like that. Cause you don't need that all the time. Like if you're always yelling and screaming, athletes tune that out. Uh, but coaches or athletes want you to be true to yourself. Um, Cause if you're lying to them and like you're acting like something you're not, they'll see through that. Um, athletes aren't dumb. Um, they might not call you out on it, but they'll understand that, oh, he's fake yada, 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 things like that. So just understand the people that you work with and be able to communicate with different people um, at different levels. Um, something that kind of plays in communication with me uh, is just overall respect. Um, you see down at the bottom, treat the person, not the athlete. Uh, yes, I do work with student athletes, but everybody I work with, that's a human being. Um, get to know them, kind of understand them, and then you can uh, communicate with them and coach them the way that they need to be coached. Um, if you just treat them just as a student athlete, they're gonna feel like, I mean, it's kind of like you see it in the NFL, like the players want more money. They kind of feel like the owners are slave owners, like plantation owners, it's like, in the NFL, I get it, that is a business, but especially college, 
treat the, uh, the, the person before you treat the athlete because they're more than just what they are on Friday, Saturday nights um, or whenever they play. Um, another thing with respect, make sure they're respecting each other. The different teams that use the facilities are volunteer interns um, and all that because as an intern, the big thing with me was kind of from the top down that like my bosses, I didn't always feel appreciated. And then just like everything like disrespect from athletes, I never really dealt with it. But I can imagine like if something did happen, like I was feeling some type of way, if an athlete like popped off at me, I might have been like, you know what, I'm working for free, I don't need this job, uh, something bad could happen. So I just want to make sure that the athletes understand that a lot of our interns are working for free and they're giving us their time. So make sure you treat them with respect. Is that, am I doing okay with that in the weight room? Oh, yeah, amazing. Oh yeah, you guys, if I'm, if I'm lying up here, um, <laughs> let me know, get back on track. Um, so that's kind of, the standard is a standard. Um, kind of looks cool in t-shirts. It's on some of our t-shirts now, but somebody said that way before me. It was like, you know what, it's simple, uh, but it works. Big thing I've learned, uh, honesty is the best policy. Uh, I kind of touched on it already, but the student athletes don't need, don't need you to be anyone other than yourself. But even within yourself, be the you that that athlete needs. So a whole team might need a certain you, but also the different athletes on each team might need you to interact with them differently. Um, tell my athletes all the time, I'll have your back, but I will not lie for you. So if they show up and do a great job for me in the weight room, when I go to meet with their sport coaches, I will let them know that they're doing X, Y, Z. But I mean, if they're not showing up or if they're doing the bare minimum, I'll let coach know, hey, they get done early, um, they're the first ones done all the time, they're probably not pushing the weights, um, different things like that. Um, with my athletes, probably outside of their parents, I want to be their biggest fans. Um, so if they're doing a good job, I will make sure that they hear that from me, um, and also that their coaches hear that from me as well. And another huge thing, if you ask for feedback, make sure you utilize what you receive. Um, I think we did a survey after the spring semester, and I think we had over 100 athletes respond. And when asking my athletes if they filled out the survey, there's like, uh, no, I'm not going to fill it out. I was like, why not? Because well, we do this all the time and nothing ever happens. Um, I mean, it's the same thing. Like when I coach at the end of a lift, I'll say questions, comments, criticisms, and or concerns. If they don't say anything, like, cool, it was a perfect lift. I did a great job. I'm awesome, uh, which I am. Uh, but like, if they don't say anything, then I'm going to assume that everything is okay. But when they do speak up, I need to, I take notes of it. And I need to make sure that, hey, next time I have a chance to make some changes, I need to incorporate um, what they're telling me. And that's how you kind of get the whole buy-in thing. And the athletes absolutely love to see, I asked them a question, wrote down their answer, and they see that um, throughout the training block. So that's a huge thing there. Uh, this is a really big one. You can see a lot of coaches in the history of coaching have said it. Um, athletes don't care how much you know until they know that you care. I think the easiest way to show that you care, first off, is to know your student athletes' names. I've seen it at so many different schools. It's, hey, you, like just pointing and whatever. It's like, that's incredibly disrespectful. Um, for me, like having bounced around a lot, that's the worst part for me, having to start and having to coach, but not really knowing anyone's name. So I try to like make eye contact. And like if I do point, as soon as we make eye contact, put my hand down because pointing at someone's really rude. Um, but I tell them, uh, give me a chance. I will learn your names and make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly because I think that's a big thing for me too. Like if you're mispronouncing my name, that's kind of disrespectful. It's the same thing, like if they don't tell me that I'm mispronouncing it, then I don't know. Um, just make sure you know your athletes' names. Um, I think another thing for me is to communicate with the athletes outside of sport and outside of strength and conditioning. Um, so with that, I think I actually learned it. I was in a frat um, back in college, but we had to learn first, middle, last name, 
and hometown of all the brothers in the frat. And that's kind of something I try to sprinkle in with my teams just to kind of figure out who they are, kind of where they're from. So when they come in during the warm-ups, they're moving around like, oh, hey, how's the weather in the Woodlands, Texas, or whatever. And that's just an easy way for them to make, oh, he is actually listening when I say stuff to him. Um, so that's another thing there. I don't know, ideas from you guys. How else can we show athletes or the people that we're working with that we care about them? Ask them how the weekend is, how the weekend was. Sure. Outside, like you said, outside of the games and stuff like that. What are they doing besides that? I think for me, kind of an effective time to do that. I like to, so we're doing four week blocks now. I like to do a lot of my teaching like week one and week two. So like by weeks three and four, like they know the expectations, they can kind of roll through it. So for me, that's like everybody rolls in, they're warming up. I can say, oh, hey, good job this weekend. I think it just happened with volleyball. Um, they were at Delaware. I think I was watching on YouTube on the way home. Just They were warming up. I was like, yeah, the announcers for the Delaware match, they were just terrible. And like, oh, yeah, my parents said the same thing. So it's like they know that I was actually invested in their success outside of the weight room and that kind of keep track of what they're doing. So it's a good one, Wayne. Anybody else? Savannah? Yeah, Chief? Absolutely. Um, one of my softball girls, she's she's out there. But I mean, that's her personality. That's just who she is. She's always running around, uh, being goofy, dancing, and whatnot. She does the movement safely um, in the weight room, but she's like high energy, moving around a lot. I think it was probably about halfway through the season. Um, softball lifts at like 6 a.m. every morning, so I get that that sucks. But she was kind of just kind of moving around, walking around, checked in with her. Was like, everything good? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I just went over to the stereo, changed the song to something I knew she would like, and then just like that, she snapped back, right back to who she is, and she was able to maintain that throughout the lift. So just from knowing her and just seeing it, like I didn't have to ask probing questions like, she's not herself today, I threw on like, the little Einstein's remix theme song. <laughs> <laughs> and then she was you know, back to typical who she is. But yeah, it's a good one as well. I think asking about their families, especially like a lot of athletes, athletes are not from the school or like close by, so asking about the family and like how they are. Thanks a lot. Uh, that's a big one. I think an easy way for me to do that is to go to the sporting events because obviously their parents are going to come in and see them. So I get to see their parents. Uh, they get to introduce me to their parents. Um, with volleyball, I actually had the opportunity to go to their like fall retreat like kind of during preseason camp. So we actually stayed at one of the girls, their parents. I think they got like two or three meals for us over the course of the weekend. And then we stayed at the house of one of the other girls. So. I can see them at the sporting events and talk to them, and also I can check in with those athletes um, on the floor, like, hey, how are your parents doing? Different things like that. So, again, a lot of the conversations I have with my athletes, it's not strength and conditioning, it's not really about their sports. But if they do want to ask me strength and conditioning stuff, I need to know that, and I'll probably overshare when it comes to that, just so they kind of know that I do know what I'm talking about. But a lot of it is just kind of taking care of the person. Anybody else? That's something I want to be a little better at here. Um, I think I'm definitely gonna to try to do it in the summer. Send out like a quick survey, like what are your goals for the upcoming school year? Like what do you want to get out of the weight room, and what do you want to get out of this year? Because um, when it comes down to programming, like communicating, like that's an easy way for them to tell me like what their expectations are, what they want to get out of everything. Um, I think my boss from Louisiana and Buffalo, 
he actually took the time to sit down individually with every single player on the football roster. So he had 100 plus individual meetings, like he kept track of everything. Um, I want to get to that point, but right now I have a shared office. So some of the questions on there, they do get kind of personal, um, which I think that's very important to understand. But at the same time, I can't really have one-on-one -on -one meetings and kick two other people out of their office. So just for me, trying to find a way to get that done, I think that would be uh, extremely beneficial going forward. Anybody else? Keeping up with like individualized specific uh, progressions and monitoring that and giving feedback on that? I think that goes obviously with injured athletes, they can't do uh, the same things that everybody else does. So, first off, have a plan for that. Um, they appreciate that and they like that. And it's not just, oh, you can't do this, go grab one of those sheets over there, um, do what you can on that sheet. It's, they stand next to me and be like, if it's a squat pattern, like they got a bone knee or something, I was like, single leg squat. I feel about that. It's like, oh, that might hurt. Uh, what about a step up? Like, yeah, I think I can do step ups. And I'll tell them, like, if step ups go well, continue on with that. If not, come back to me. We'll figure something out. Um, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, then skip that movement. Um, we'll move on. And athletes definitely appreciate the fact that you care about their uh, specific changes to their progress. I think with that, in the full team setting, um, when I put together my programs, I try to hit on the things that the whole team needs, like volleyball, like um, ankle ankle mobility. I need to hit that with everybody. Um, but there's times where, like, I'll tell them, like, if we've done, like, a T-spine movement or a specific ankle mobility movement that you really like, replace whatever I have on the sheet with something that you like and that you know works for you. Um, tell the interns all the time, like, write your programs in pencil. Because I'll make spot on-site adjustments and, like, the individual adjustments. If, if you stick with what you have on paper, you're not going to be successful. You just need to be able to adapt all the time. Anybody else before we go to the next slide? Good. Um, this is more standing conditioning specific, so I won't spend too much time here. Um, but my principles, um, kind of how I think, or I approach strength conditioning, the plan is for long-term athletic development. Um, ideally, I'm going to be somewhere and stay for a while. Hopefully, that's UNCW. So I'll have my athletes for four to five years. Um, so there's no reason to, day one, we're going to do clean and jerks and snatches. Like that just doesn't make sense. So both from a kind of start of a block to the end of the block, year one to year four, kind of go general to specific. Um, kind of just give them what they need. Um, different types of training, training for hypertrophy, strength and power. Um, some athletes, if they need to put on some size, will do hypertrophy, but most athletes will benefit from having strength and then teaching them how to convert that strength to power. Um, but again, if I do something like asking athletes their individual goals and they tell me, Oh, coach said I need to be more powerful. Then within that program, I can make adjustments. Like it's supposed to be a strength block, but this athlete, the coach said they need more power, so I can make an adjustment there. Um, I'm big on total body development. Sport is played with your total body. Um, there's not chest days, back days, leg days when you're out in the field. So you need to train um, in that manner, and you train movement patterns, not muscles. Because if you train muscles, you're gonna miss some. But if you train movements most certainly going to hit everything. Um, so within that, I try to do Olympic variations, uh, some type of squat, hinge, push, pull, press, carry, um, an actual core stability training, not and crunches. Those, that's not what the core is doing in sport. This stays stable, things are moving around it, but I'll save that for any strength coaches that want to reach out to me. Um, a really big thing, just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should. Uh, quality over quantity. Um, that applies beyond strength conditioning. 
find out the minimal effective dose and utilize that. Um, especially in season, if I'm if I know they can do three by ten, I can cut that down to something. But if I continue to do three by ten or four by ten, especially in season, they're getting beat up at practice. They're getting beat up at games, and then I'm going to beat them up in the weight room too. That's just a recipe for disaster. So, for me, that's kind of where my taking pride in my education that kicks in. Like I need to find the minimum number of reps that can get us to where we need to be. Um, so that's kind of what that is. Does anybody want me to go in a little more detail here? Are we kind of good on all that? Yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Um, I'll go through this one quickly too. Um, it's kind of like an annual plan. This is actually, this is an indoor volleyball. So this is one of those things where this information that I have on deck, so the athletes don't really need to know this, but if they ask like, hey, why are we doing what we're doing? Or like, what are we doing next block? Like this is something I can show them. This is a great opportunity for me to show them that I care about like the education, like the science-y part behind strength conditioning. And I'm not just sitting at my desk like, right on the dry race board, oh, this looks good today. Yeah, that looks good too. So there's something you can do. You can plan out your full year, um, put in their competitions, um, the different colors. When it turns to teal, that was going from non-conference to conference play, and then yellow is a conference tournament. Um, kind of going down to the bottom, you can see like I'm setting them up for them to peak at the start of the season, start a conference play, and then ideally we'll make it, so we'll also be peaking at the start of the conference tournament. So I've actually found, I think I was working on this one day, and like, couple swimmers came into my office just to talk. They're like, oh, what is that? I was like, well, it's just kind of the big picture for what I'm doing with volleyball. And I'm like, oh, do you do that with us too? I was like, yeah, I do it with all my teams because I need to understand. There are certain times where I can kind of beat them up in the weight room, more so off season. Um, but just to be able to show them that I have this, like there is a plan for everything that we're doing. Uh, they really appreciate that, so. When creating these, do you, um did you use a certain template from a certain book, or did you use the one that's on, on staff location that everyone's familiar with? This was, I didn't have this until, I think when I started here. Um, I was big on like, I'll write stuff down on notebook paper, but then I'll lose the paper because I'm not the most organized, something I continue to work on every day, but obviously to this extent, I was not doing it like this, but I had stuff down, then I'd lose the papers. Um, so this, I have this, I have, um, Another file, it's the same thing, just a little different setup, but I'll share this with my interns. If anybody on staff asks for it, I'm gonna go ahead and use this. But I think this is effective too, because between the coaches in the office, like if we're all using the same template, and like, hey, this is where we're at uh, with my team. And like, this is a great way to just kind of talk shop, like, hey, we're about to hit our unload phase. Like, what have we found to be um, effective during that? So I think I'm glad I have it now. Um, I need to use it more than I do still, but I think as a strength coach, this is something that every strength coach needs to be doing. It might not be on this template, but everybody needs to be doing it. I think that kind of kind of skimmed over my previous experience. Um, the coaches that I worked for, like as an intern and grad assistant, some of them, um, they weren't as big on the educational components, so I kind of didn't really get much actual advice on how to develop as a coach. It was. That's your team, go on the floor, coach them up. That was an awesome experience, uh, but at the same time, I feel like I kind of missed out on getting things like this and like having a coach with years of experience um, explain that to me. So, but fortunately, uh, my first collegiate internship was at Robert Morris. Um, the coach there, he's at George Washington University now. He's very well respected in the field. Like, I had no idea. I'm from Pittsburgh, Robert Morris is back home. Um, so I kind of, I was just looking forward to going home. And honestly, that was, to this day, that was the best experience um, I had in the field. 
kind of a lot of what I do. Uh, the same as Todd Hammer, like I would be somebody else's Todd Hammer and have them be somebody else's Todd Hammer because um, I had no idea what I was doing, but he gave all the interns opportunities to coach on the floor. Um, yeah, it was a lower level D1, but he let us coach uh, men's and women's basketball. He let us coach the football teams. Um, it was really awesome. Man. And, uh, just like cleaning the facility. Those are intern duties and it sucks, but he was right next to us on his hands and knees scrubbing the floor. So like, I really appreciated that just to see that he literally would not ask us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Back on track, anything else here? Um, this is just a sample of, this is a program volleyball just started this week. Um, so you can see the dumbbell push press, that's like my Olympic variation, uh, band good morning. So in their peaking phase, I'm not trying to beat them up too much. So band good morning, that's the way to train the post chain. It's like their hamstrings and the back, but not loaded up super heavy. Towel rows, another way to get a row in, uh, pistol squat single leg squat, um, and the prone swimmer is just kind of a way to take care of their shoulders. So trying to hit a little bit of everything every day, and now just making sure I'm doing enough, but not too much. Um, so you kind of see the bottom push-up ISO hold with reps. I think I had to make an onside adjustment there because it just wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. So like, all right, we'll just do that a little differently. So I'll give my athletes, they each get a copy of this now, all except for swim, because they're kind of all over the place. but. I tell my athletes, I'm big on allowing them to self-select their weights. That's why I like the sheets. So, hey, week one, ask your questions, figure out what weight works for you. After that, if you ask me what weight you should use, I'm going to say, what did you use last week? And go off of that. Because, um, I mean, they're 18 to 22. They, everybody wants to be treated like an adult. Like, it's your body. You're the one doing this. Like, I, all my programs, I do stuff similar personally, so I know how it feels. But they're the ones actually going through. It's like, pick a weight that you can do eight perfect reps or six perfect reps, whatever it is. I give them little report covers too, so as we go on, they can stack their sheets and just flip back and make, oh, this is a lunch pattern. Last time we did that, I was here. Um, so I want them to kind of take ownership um, of their training. So that's a day one. Um, then day two, a little more uh, complex on the Olympic movement. Everybody did that one. Uh, so prior to this, I had the freshmen just working on just a simple RDL and doing a struggle at the top. But now I think they're able to handle kind of speeding it up, putting it all together for a clean pull. Uh, speed squat, I don't, I'm not super married to percentages, but I think now like the emphasis is speed, so it's super light anyway. Um, so that's the lower body for the day, band pull down, uh, just making sure we're getting another pull, try to take care of their shoulders. Same thing with horizontal pull-ups, uh, TRX row. Uh, keep and press, take care of their shoulders again, and down to the bottom, uh, cook hip lift, just another way to get their glutes activated, and just different things like that. Nothing super fancy, it's simple stuff, but simple works. So for me, it's about picking the simple movements that work best for them. Uh, kind of before we get to even more questions, uh, this is why I do what I do and the way that I do it. So you guys go ahead and take a little time to read that. from the summer. Um, I've had a couple other athletes from different teams send me this, but um, I mean, I really appreciate this because I'm not a big screamer and yeller. I try to be an effective communicator in the fact that she kind of highlighted the things that are important to me, that she's noticed that, um, that really stood out to me. And 
Yeah, she mentioned that she's feels stronger, she's hitting better. Um, just the fact that she knows that I care, and she kind of voiced that in here, um, that really means a lot to me. So, I've had one of my previous bosses told me to stay away from Olympic sports forever. Didn't really give me any information why. Um, actually, I tell my athletes now, I think it's hilarious because I absolutely love working with the teams that I have. Um, yes, I have a football background, but each of these teams just brings a new challenge. Um, it's a rewarding challenge. I gotta understand the different needs for different sports. Uh, again, it's communicating to different groups of people too. Um, it's been really fun. So, questions, and a lot of times my answer will be it depends. That's more so strength conditioning, but that probably should have been the title of this. Is it depends? Kind of everything you do, it depends on your situation, depends on the people you work with. So, yeah, questions about anything? Start here first. Uh, what sports do you mean work with? Good one, forgot that. Uh, I have the volleyball, so there are two different teams to me, so it's indoor and beach volleyball, uh, swim and dive, so that's three, I kind of split that up, try to with distance, uh, mid sprints, and then dive, obviously that's separate. Uh, women's tennis and softball. And my favorite team is the one that I'm working with at that time in the weight room. experience um, if something happens and I don't know what to do like I'll let the athletes know like they're like they ask me a question I don't know the answer like that's a good question uh, ask me tomorrow so I can look at look into it um, the good thing about having bounced around so many times is I have a lot of people that I trust at other places so I can ask them like hey this is my first time working with whatever team like I see that you work with this team what's worth for you um, and if I don't know ask do my best to do research kind of up front. Um, so it doesn't really get to that point, but yeah, if it's on the fly, just give them alternatives to what's on the papers. So that's why I like training movements. So a lot of, there's so many ways to train a squat pattern. So I can pick one, like, oh, this is gonna be great, it's gonna be awesome. And just like seeing it, like that doesn't work, we need a different one. Or like if the athlete's hurt, just being able to change it on the fly like that. So kind of relying on my past experience and asking questions of the people that I've worked with that have kind of more experience in. You don't know what you don't know, and that's okay. What was like the most challenging like part, like for where you got moved around to? What would you say like was like the most like difficult, like that you had to just like push through? I'd probably say kind of coming here because the previous two years I was an assistant on a football only staff. Um, I didn't enjoy that because I feel like I didn't have any meaningful responsibility. Some people might have been okay in my role, just collecting a paycheck, but like, I felt like I was just, I was just there. Like the head strength coach wasn't really asking for my opinions. I didn't really have like my hands on anything that I could say was mine. Um, so kind of coming here was, I did get to work with a specialist. So I had four or five guys total at Buffalo. Um, so kind of coming here, just flipping that switch to now I got teams of 15, 20, 30. Just like at first it was like do I know what I'm doing like can I do this um, but kind of over time it's kind of worked out but even when I first started some of my teams had really big injury reports and I was just looking at it like what did I get myself into 
maybe I should have just stayed in Buffalo. Um, which is that, that initial transition, and just the way I coach, I hope you guys have picked up on it, like I like to communicate and not scream and yell. So kind of in that early process, making sure that the athletes kind of know who I am and that I do care about them. Just establishing that, because once we have that, I think we're good to go forward. So that early transition from having full teams and also making sure that these athletes know where we're in. That's kind of been the hardest part. Yeah. This kind of bounces off his question. Um, I would, I want to ask, how did you stay like um, through everywhere you've been? Um, how did you stay patient slash balanced? Um, whether it be internships, GA positions, or, you know, getting here at UNCW? Um, not sure that I did. Um, everyone always says, trust the process, and like, oh, everybody has to go work for free. Um, I did get a late start, so that, that's kind of on me, but after that, it's like, there's, I got to a point where I thought I was checking all the boxes, and just like applying for grad assistantships, like, I wouldn't get an email back. Like, at least let me know you got my email, and then like, let me know you're going another direction. Um, a lot of times I was sitting around waiting, and it was, there's times I thought about getting out of the profession. Um, I did do a semester of physical therapy school, hated it, which is boring. Um, I had good enough grades, I left. There were people with worse grades that are not physical therapists, so. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, it was hard. But then there's days I'm out on the floor and something happens like, hey, this is why I put up with working for free, working for 12 hours, only getting a t-shirt, one pair of shorts, having a terrible living situation in Montana. Like, it all sucked. But the good time of being a strength and conditioning coach is incredibly rewarding, so I'm glad I stuck with it. I don't know if that really answered your question. But. So, I think he has his hand up first before. So. Uh, do you always follow protocol as far as like when a coach comes up to you and says, this is what this athlete needs, or is there ever times where you're like, I kind of agree, but I think I know better what this athlete needs in order to improve? It depends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when communicating with sport coaches, I'll say yes pretty much all the time. But when it comes to actually doing the program, I'll make the changes that are best for the athletes. Because in terms of strength and conditioning, I am the expert. Coaches, sport coaches, that's a challenge in itself. Um, they think they can kind of do our job, so they like to tell us how to do our job sometimes. But again, that's why I'm fortunate to now be on the Olympic side where a sport coach can't just fire me. Like, Football, you're tied to that football coach. Like, if he doesn't like what you're doing, gone. We'll bring in somebody else. But now it's like, okay, I can do things. Kind of, just like you buy the book, like, this is what the research in the book say. This is how we should be training athletes. So I can kind of do that. But yeah, sport coaches, they'll, they'll ask, I'll say yes. But like, okay, so she wants to do a conditioning test or she wants to condition them. She wants to run them into the ground. Like, I know that's kind of productive. So I'll condition them. And I'll, I'll tell my athletes, like, just make sure you tell coach, like, this is really hard. But at the same time, like, let me know if this isn't working. If we do need to ramp it up a little bit, I can do that, but I'm not gonna sacrifice doing things, the safety of the athletes, just because the sport coach wants to do something. What about your person, back to you. So, um, yeah, I'll start, did I answer your question? Absolutely. So what do you suggest to a person that's trying to start their strength and coaching like, career? Go intern right now. Start working for free as soon as you can, so you can Education is very important, but in this field, you need to get that on the floor coaching experience because that's the only way to become a better strength coach is like doing strength coach things. You can find a master's to get that online or whatever, but go get some on the floor coaching experience. Oh, and I think experience anywhere is good experience. I'm not, oh, you need to be in college setting only if you want to be a college strength coach. 
it's tough to be a collegiate strength coach. Like you're, pro- you're not really ever going to make any money. So if you're in it for the money, private sector, uh, military, those are great paths to go to. But if you want to be in college, just know you're probably going to have to work for free. Uh, there's going to be a lot of challenges with that, but it's super rewarding. Um, kind of going off what he said, do you meet with the coaches before the season and ask them what you're looking for, or do you just kind of go off what you think is best suited for them? Uh, so we're putting together an annual plan. Uh, we have like end of the semester meeting. So there we can talk about kind of what worked in that previous semester and what their expectations are uh, for the upcoming semester. Um, kind of like the swim. They're kind of, they have a weird, like they're kind of always in season. So like, hey coach, when might you be tapering off in the pool just so I can match up, kind of reducing the workload in the weight room or kind of not cutting back too soon, making sure they're still getting some work in the weight room, but also, <clears throat> If they're resting in the pool, I need to not kill them in the weight room. Um, and also, with different sports, we also do monthly meetings as well. So we kind of just, just talk about whatever. Like, what have you guys seen? I think I'll have my numbers from the weight rooms. Like, looks like everything is working. What have you guys seen on the field? Because if what I do in the weight room isn't translating to on the field, then I need to make changes. So semester meetings, kind of monthly, sometimes weekly. Um, just being able to communicate, shoot a text, uh, email, or whatever. Here and then here. Um, so when you are, like, say, for example, like, if I, like, wanted to enter now or, like, and I'm, like, the same age as all the people that I'm, like, working with, how do you get them to, like, listen to you and respect you as more of not necessarily an authority figure, but to know that, like, you are coaching them, even if it's, like, your buddy and, like, your friend? Like, how do you get that, like, stance? Uh, you got to know your stuff. Okay. Um, that's why I think I was fortunate to kind of get my start a little later because I was a few years older than even the seniors. It was, like... I could relate to them and be able to talk to them. It's like yeah, the stuff that they're interested in, like that's not for me anymore. Um, so early in the process, make sure to, when you're at wherever you're at, flip that switch. Like, hey, this is work now. Um, communicate effectively, but like not too much buddy buddy. Make sure you know your stuff, um, and then after that, you can go back to being friends. But when you're in the weight room or wherever you're at, internship wise, if you are working with people you know, make sure when you're at work, you're in work mode. Um, back to the, uh, the money. Does it depend on really what school you're coaching at? Because I know, like, at Iowa, the strength, head strength coach makes over $900,000 a year. And Iowa's a, a big school, but it's not one of the biggest in the country as far as athletics go. Um, so does it depend, like, on who you are and, like, your reputation as a strength coach or more so where you're at? It depends. Um, all the money, it's at the top of football. So there's... I think there's 10-ish, over 200,000 or something like that. You can uh, Google USA Today football strength coaching salaries, and like, it's a lot at the top, and then there's kind of a drop-off. Um, so there's more money on the football side, but even on the football side, it kind of depends on the conference. So obviously, Iowa's Big Ten, right? Yeah, they got the Big Ten money, but uh, I think one of the coaches in the MAC was at say 60000 a year, and then the guy at Iowa is $800,000 a year doing the same job. So, like for me, like, if someone comes calling and is going to throw a quarter million dollars at me to be a strength coach for a football team, like, I'm not, I'd be stupid to turn that down. But, like for me, it'd be kind of, for that, it'd kind of be for the money. I'm still doing the same thing, but a quarter million dollars, that could set me up for whenever I do get fired. Because football, you're not going to retire as a football strength coach. Yeah, even uh, 
even Olympic sports, even on like the Power Five side, there's not as much money as people would think. There's like, oh, so and so is making nine hundred thousand as a football strength coach. I bet the basketball strength coach is doing the same. I mean, basketball strength coaches were getting into the six figures now, but there's not as many as you might think. Um, I kind of I check job boards kind of every day just so I can give the interns a realistic perspective of what's out there and even kind of like the mid-major level where we're at, kind of across the board, it's it's about the same. And kind of cost of living kind of factors into, is that enough to get by? So I think Florida International, which is in Miami, they had an assistant spot open, but it's 50,000 a year. Probably not gonna do much for you in Miami, but that's kind of where the profession is at. What did you do to become the best intern you could be, slash what could I do to be <laughs> the best intern I could be? I learned what worked for me. I think that was a good thing about all my experiences. I kind of, at first, when I didn't really know what was going on, I was like, oh, I need to be like everybody else. I was like, nah, I need to be me and figure out how to be the best me for my athletes. Um, so for me, it's like, when I need to be goofy, I'm going to be goofy. But when I need to talk about isometric and eccentric contractions and yada, 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 I need to be able to do that too. Kind of figure out who you are as a coach and how to be the best coach for your athletes or whatever population you're working with. Did it take you a while to figure out your style, who you want to be, who you are? I don't think it took me that long to figure it out. It took a while to find uh, the opportunity to be able to be that coach okay. and not have to essentially worry about my job. I think even when I left Buffalo, uh, sat down with the head football coach, that situation was a mess. I don't think my strength coach boss informed him early enough, but I told my boss like when I took the first interview and all that, but anyway, I was sitting down with the head football coach and he's like, um, just be careful. Um, you need to make sure that your athletes respect you. Like, I would look over and see you at practice talking to the players and it seemed like you're almost too buddy-buddy with them. Mm. And I was like, it's good for me to hear that because it's coming from a head football coach, but at the same time, like, that's the coach I want to be. Yeah. Like, I could ask any of my athletes to do something. I don't need to scream and yell, like, hey, X, Y, Z, can you do this for me, please? Like, all right, because they know me. Like, they know I'm coming from a good place, and yeah. I'm not going to ask them to do something that I wouldn't do or something that's going to put them in harm's way. And I don't see that as I'm not respecting you either. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's almost more respect because they're not fearing you in a way. Um, even after that meeting, I, I still spent a little bit of time around the guys, and I was like, do you guys not respect me? Like, no, we respect you because you can communicate with us effectively. Exactly. I think that's kind of the divide where we're coaching in general is at. Like the head sport coaches, a lot of them are still doing it the way that it's always been done. I think that's the absolute worst way to do it. Um, talk to your athletes, they'll tell you how they would like to be coached. Mm -hmm. I feel like like you can look at what you play sports, like there's, or at least for me, my soccer team, there was like one head coach that like yelled, and then the one that was like kind of more personal with us, like yeah. buddy buddy, I guess. Like you can see that people, they'll do way more stuff for people that just out of respect for them. And like for me, it was finding ways to do that and not like undermine the person who's doing the yelling and screaming. It's like just following up, like, yes, you did just get yelled at or whatever. Like, do you understand what you need to do so we don't get yelled at again? Like, okay, yeah. I mean, I was the same way as an athlete. Like, I remember I was at Lehigh, I was scout team, special teams. Like, I gave the same effort everybody else was getting, and one coach just yelled, Overton. That was the worst effort I've ever seen on a football field, like in front of the entire team. I'm just like, I just did what everybody else just did. A little bit is probably, he might have seen my potential, but then it was like, well, you didn't really coach me up, you just called me out in front of everybody. Um, same thing in Lehigh, I was working with the defense, wherever I had like a pick six, and 
defensive coordinator didn't acknowledge that at all. He just yelled at me because I wasn't lined up in the right spot to start. It's like, okay, but like the result was good. So like, coach me out. You just yelled at me because I was lined up wrong, but like, I still made the play. So like, that's that's how I, that's how I was an athlete. That's how I am as a coach. Like, you need to communicate with me what I need to do to be better, not just yell at me. Yeah, I would. I mean, I I think the new generation of student athletes and athletes in general like that approach and it's like you said there's that divide of going from that command style to the cooperative style it's a very hard style we talked about in this class the hardest style to get is the cooperative style because how do you balance being cooperative and not being submissive and not being too commanding and, and trying to balance all that to, to a cooperative coach I mean it's I mean it's trying, there's days it's like was I stern enough with the athletes, or like am I letting them kind of run all over the place? But I mean, DJ Wayne's in there all the time. Like when I need to, I'll have him turn down the music, and like I'll use my coaching voice, like you know, a little more bass. Like, you know, I'll, I'll let him know, like, hey guys, this this is not what we need to be doing. Let's kind of reel it back in and get back on track, and then kind of go from there. Because if the athletes aren't having fun, then it's just going to be miserable for everybody. We're already there at six in the morning. No one wants to be up. Might as well have an enjoyable time and get something out of it. Sports nutrition, what, what is your view on sports nutrition and how does that play a role in coaching athletes? Um, as a strength coach, I need to be aware of that, but that is not my realm. I'm a big stay in your lane guy. I need to know kind of the basics and be able to refer out. I think that's a big thing. Whatever you do, if you're not an expert in a certain area, refer out to somebody else that is. Um, so I could, pretty sure I could lose my job if I give the wrong information or I could tell an athlete, oh yeah, the supplement's good, they fail a drug test they miss a year of eligibility. If it's a high level athlete, that could cost them a professional career, something like that. So I need to know, like, I see carbs, fats, protein, like macronutrients, basic stuff. Like my nutrition advice is write down what you eat for a week, figure out how many calories that is, and then we'll make a reduction each day and that'll kind of stack up. We do have a dietitian that comes now and she can meet individually with our athletes. Like, hey, if you have this log or whatever, when Crystal's on campus, you can meet with her and like show her, like you have information ready to go. Like this is where you're at, she can steer you in more of a direction. But for me, like nutrition-wise, um, I just try to tell them stay hydrated, eat fresh foods, eat your vegetables, um, different things like that. And weight loss, weight gain, it's simple math. So how did y'all balance out like planning time management? Because I know like Kyle, Ben, they have the track team, they have the basketball team and all that, they have the volleyball. Came out of disaster last year with the like teams coming in while the other teams wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we have a schedule. Um, I can only control what I can control. So with my teams, if I'm on there for an hour, I need to get my teams done in an hour. If I'm on there for an hour and fifteen, I need to get them done in an hour and fifteen. Um, I'll have athletes that ask me if they can come in and float, and I was like, you can come in and whatever this window, because there there are blocks on the schedule where. Um, nobody's training. So for me, out of respect, I'm not going to have my athletes come in when another team is on the schedule to train. Um, I mean, you've seen it. It kind of depends on the sport. Certain sports get away with whatever they want. Mm -hmm. um, I tell my athletes, I don't care what sport I work with. We're on the schedule for here. This is our time. Um, if you want to come in and do extra, if somebody else is in there, make sure they get whatever equipment they need. You work around them. They don't work around you. So, I mean, with that too, it's communication. We have a schedule, I try to stick by that. So <coughs> things pop up, and then sometimes I gotta adjust on the fly. Like, I didn't realize 
the float group turned into the entire basketball team was in when I have a swim lift or something like that. Um, so again, it's like being able to train movements, like I want to do this, I plan on using barbells, now we got to do with dumbbells, like something simple like that. So um, for me, I try to stick to the schedule and just communicate when things might be changing. And that's, you gotta find a place where your priorities are kind of in line with everybody else's. So things will go much smoother when that happens. Like that's part of what I want to get out of football because especially at Buffalo where it's yes, it's division one football, but there's also other sports and it's like, oh football gets whatever they want, yada yada. It's like that's not fair to the other athletes. So, especially in a shared space. That's worse. So what's your favorite moment so far since you started working here? Oh, there's been a lot. Uh, I've been last week. Um, softball was lifting. I think I had just given the freshman an opportunity to move from like a dumbbell movement to a barbell movement. And it, like it always overhead press. Like something happens all the time, core tight, ribs down, head through the top. And I look over at one of the freshmen, she wasn't getting her head all the way through. And I was just about to say something. Uh, but one of our upperclassmen had stepped in and correctly coached up the expectations of the movement. And I was like, that was pretty awesome. Um, it was one of the quieter girls on the team too, so I made sure to acknowledge her. And I definitely tweeted about it, and I was like, I told her later, like, hey, you may be popular, like we got like 45 likes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that was pretty cool to see. Cause that, I mean, that's that's my goal. Like, I, even if they don't want to be strength coaches, I want my athletes to be able to coach my expectations to their teammates. I know how it goes. If it's coming from me, they're not going to listen, but if it comes from their teammates, that's when uh, things are going well. Now, if you were to leave us with one last piece of advice to kind of go home with, what would you leave us with if you were to send us off on? Um, it's about the people you work in support of. It's not about you. So, like, for me, it's about my athletes. It's not about me. If you have, like for me, if I have my athlete's best interest at heart, even if I do make a mistake, it's like, well, I was trying to do the best for, I was trying to do what I thought was best for them at the time. Um, if that's how you operate, then things will take care of themselves. Cool, clap it up for Coach So we're going to do a little mobility before we leave. If you want to hang out and do that, if you got to head out, that's cool too. We'll do about uh, do a couple minutes here. What uh what type of mobility? We're gonna do some. We're gonna start standing because I know you've been sitting. We're gonna do some uh, shoulder mobility. Oh, I need that. Don't right. judge me. I'm a heavy sweater, so. <laughs> so let's uh face either in or out. So don't face. Yeah, and I'll I guess maybe face me over here. You can all because you're gonna be going like this. Okay, so make sure that you can't touch anyone when you go like this. Okay. So we'll start with our, like he was talking, he does prone swimmer hovers. We're gonna do standing swimmer hovers. So we're just gonna bring the hands behind the back of the head, just like this. Now, let the fingertips touch. So my fingertips are touching here. Okay, then from here, I'm gonna hover my hands behind my head as far as they'll go. Retract my scapula, make a T. Okay, internally rotate. So turn the back of the palms back, and then I'm gonna reach back into extension and hold here. 
From here, we're gonna do an elbow hinge. We're just gonna bend the elbow so the back of the hands touch the lower back, and then relax it down and forward here. Okay, that's half of rep one. All right, from here, retract the scapula, elbows go back, hover the hands behind the waist, and we're gonna do three elbow hinge. So we're gonna extend the elbows, and then bend the elbows, but don't touch the back. Extend the elbows, bend the elbows. One more. Extend the elbows, and then from here, in externally rotate the shoulders. So palms face up, gonna go into a Y here, and then back, hands behind the head. All right, from here, go ahead and bring your hands out front. Right in front of the shoulders, and then out about 10 degrees. From here, wrap one hand across the rib cage, squeeze the fists. Now radiate from the feet all the way to the core, all the way throughout the entire body, so that when you move your scapula, that's the only thing that's moving. So retract your chin slightly in line with the sternum and navel. Pull tight here. From here, we're going to protract the scapula. Reach forward, elevate, retract, depress, and then follow that circle nice and slow. Keep the elbow locked, keep the wrist straight here, so don't try to bend the wrist here. So keep following that circle. All the way, try to keep that elbow locked by squeezing that tricep, just the scapula is moving. Now let's go the other way. So retract, elevate, protract, depress, retract, elevate, protract, depress. Let's get the other side. Squeeze the fist here. So start with protraction, elevation, retraction, depression. Protraction, elevation, retraction, depression, and just follow that circle and try to keep that hand in front of the shoulder the whole time here. Okay, follow that circle. Try not to bend the elbow, squeeze the biceps, squeeze the triceps. Now let's go the other way. Retract, elevate, protract, depress. Retract, elevate, protract, depress. Two more all the way up and around. Try not to move your head. Squeeze your biceps, squeeze your triceps. And relax. All right, now shoulder flexion circle. So just one arm goes up toward the air. Squeeze your fist. We're gonna pretend that we're drawing a circle into the ceiling, a tiny little circle, but don't not with our wrists like this. You're doing it with our shoulder, okay? Just tiny little circles. Trying to draw a circle on the ceiling, reaching up as high as you can go. Little circles, super slow circles, super slow, slow motion. Now go the other way. Okay, now let's go out to a T here. We're going to palms face up. Okay, palm face down, internally rotate the shoulder. So the shoulder's rotating inward all the way. Find your end range, hold here. Keep torquing it, keep torquing it. Try not to lean, try not to move your body, just the shoulder, keep torquing. And now let's go the other way. External rotation. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then from here, elbow hinge. Just bend the elbow. Pronation, and then extension. Okay, from here, squeeze the fist. We're gonna go behind the body and up. Try to find an area that feels tight, and we're going to go into internal and external rotation 
in shoulder extension and abduction. So internal and external rotation all the way external, palm face up, keep going, keep going, then internal all the way down, keep going down. Now all the way back into extension, 